Hi, it's David Poland with the hot button number 18, how to make a bad Marvel movie. If you're not amazed by how bad Chloe Zhao's Eternals is, you either haven't seen the movie, you just hate all Marvel blindly, or you really aren't paying attention. It is quite a feat, really, as Marvel has done nothing if not maintain a level of consistency over the past 25 feature films that they've made in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is to say produced by Marvel under the producing leadership of Kevin Feige. So instead of just doing an abusive review of the film, I thought I would offer up a more generalized idea of what core Marvel values are missing from this particular film. Here's a list of things not to do if you want to make a Marvel movie that will not be mocked until Tony Stark returns to life. Bad villain. Who is the villain of the Eternals? Who cares? The mighty Arashem, whose spoken name is awfully close to the Jewish name for God, Hashem, makes the pre-Brolin version of Thanos that is, when he was just an image and not moving, seem like a big personality. He not only looks like a bad Lego figure, he looks like he was made of candy Legos. He is less intimidating than the cost of a large popcorn. The audience doesn't get any insight into him, and thus no passion or interest. Next, bad monsters. Who the hell allow the temp deviants to be put into the final film? They look like the elaborate metallic macrame project that caught your eye at the art fair, but when you ba went back to consider buying them, you realize they'd end up in your garage after about a week because they're so ugly and uninteresting. So these nondescript, personality-free, giant CG animals are running around, and in addition to their big dumbness, they have tentacles that suck the everything out of the Eternals when they attach for long enough. Ugh, boring. Sometime late in the movie, we'll find that if you somehow, never really explained in the movie, put a few of these things together, they almost take a human shape, like the world's slimiest Transformers. Truth told, bad monsters have been a problem through a lot of the MCU, mostly pathetically in the first Avengers film, where the flying scooter machines screamed, we really haven't figured out how to do this on a budget yet, so take this mediocrity in the movie that you really liked until now and get over it. No one else has done it yet either. They've really mostly solved the problem in recent films. However, that said, a movie I kind of love, Shang-Chi, is loaded with great monsters until the third act, when it all gets sketchy and undefined and not as good as the rest of the film. If the MCO, MCU needs to focus on one thing, it's third act world-ending monsters. They haven't cracked the code yet, aside from Thanos, whose physical and character personification of evil raised the two-part Avengers snap movies above the rest. Next, bad superpowers. I kind of knew we were in trouble when I read, before even seeing the film, someone tweeting out, if all Kamal Nujani was going to do was throw fireballs, why did he have to get so buff? We were in trouble. That, and the ad where Cersei turns a bus into flowers. What the fuck? Invincible on Amazon Prime, which is animated, did a better job addressing the superhero teams with no one has enough power to win any one fight on their own until Superman shows up. I have the advantage of having watched One Punch Man with my kids, so I understand how cool the idea is for Gilgamesh's power, for instance, he's the strong guy, but it takes time and space to get some zen out of that. Athena gets a sword and a shield. Wow, never seen that before. Fastus is really, really smart. Sprite combines lemon and lime. Oh, wait, she, she can change her appearance. She isn't blue, and she can project images beyond herself, and she, she really, really wants to menstruate. Macquarie, a character that used to be a guy in the comics, is a young deaf woman, for no apparent reason, who can run really, really fast. Droog is the creepiest power, the kind usually used for villains. He can turn humans into mindless zombies. Insert your own Marvel joke here. And Ajax, she has the red phone to Arashem and the power to talk slowly 
and comely and still be the hottest 55-year-old imaginable. I don't even mention Icarus because he is the quote-unquote Superman character. And the only interesting thing about him, which is a shame because Madden can act, is they use the S word in a Marvel movie. Superman. Ooh, how did they get to say Superman? Who cares? I don't want to do a spoiler, but the film pretty much reduces the alleged most powerful being on Earth to a mediocrity whose skill set can become less and less clear because who knows what he's killing or how and whose moral standing is somewhere in the realm of a Trump-supporting senator. Man. Next, characters who are too self-serious with no one to bring them down. One of the key components to Avengers is the balance of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. And if you need to tell me which heroes those guys are, then you probably shouldn't be reading or listening to this piece. Tony is the from-the-hip asshole, and Steve is the self-serious windbag, but so handsome. Thor balances Loki, Natasha balances some of the other guys, depending on where you dip into which movie. Dr. Banner balances his own two halves. Eternals is a movie where everybody wants to be serious and quiet, except for Kamal Nujani's Kingo and Brian Tyree Henry's dryly humorous Fastos, who, though, he turns out to be the most emotionally weighed down and maudlin. Kingo is so flip and half-committed, you almost imagine him becoming the bad guy in the movie. If you want to make a Kubrick Marvel movie, cool, but it's going to have to be a hundred times more serious-minded and reflective than this. Shooting landscapes is not what screenwriters are there to do. Next, comedy writers who wander, comedy writers, comedy characters who wander in and out without a clear purpose. This is another riff on Kingo. I've only seen the movie once, so maybe I missed something. Dear God, I hope I pray and pray I missed something. But Kingo dips out of the movie with his sidekick for no clear reason at a key moment. And as an audience member, all I wanted to do was see this jolly joker and the manipulator of humans to be an important part of the big fight and to get a higher stake in being in the story. But like the bad ex who never shows up for a kid's birthday, his kid's birthday party on time, he just skips out. And then it doesn't matter at all. Why? Kill the character you like the most, the audience likes the most. I shouldn't tell you who dies, and I won't. It doesn't matter. All I can say is never do this. Someone must have been watching The Untouchables and felt that all those feelings that Mamet wrote into the screenplay and Sean Connery and his history with all movies lovers brought to the life and thought, hey, this really works. But I have to tell you, screenwriters of this movie, you are no David Mamet, nutty right-winger that he's become, and Chloe ain't no Brian De Palma at the top of his game. She is something else, and I suspect we aren't even close to the top of her game. This was a terrible, terrible choice. Oh, you saw Star Wars, and Obi-Wan Kenobi dies and comes back even more powerful as a spirit. Yeah, no, you didn't get within a country mile of that either. You could have. You could have given all these characters enough backstory to make it all interesting. But a movie, even a four-hour movie like this, can't include ten proper backstories. And the movie's only two hours and 37 minutes. A long two hours and 37 minutes. Make your character, the lead character, a bore. Here's the thing. Mary Richards was the least interesting character in the Mary Tyler Moore show. This has become a standard dramatic tool. Central character is the straight person, and they are surrounded by funnier dramatic eccentrics. However, Mary was also funny. Mary had clear motivations. Mary had desires and passions. Mary had people who irritated her. And when Chuckles the Clown died, Mary was so uptight that she couldn't stop laughing hysterically at the funeral. I am personally a Jenna Chan fan. I look forward to see her characters when they're in movies that I see. But her Cersei is about as bland and uninteresting a human being as I had ever seen in a Marvel movie, or almost any movie. She has all the nuance of a piece of white toast with half a pat of margarine. She is thousands of years old, 
And still, she is no most boring being on Earth. Her power is weird, never surprising in a good way. She's never really thrilled or horrified. And let me repeat one more time, just in case you didn't get it, Cersei is boring. Selma Hayek gets to be the Fern Fran of the piece, referring back to the last movie by our, our hero director. Though she doesn't get to be that funny. Selma doesn't, a.k.a. showing her range either. Cersei needed to something to do in this movie, something to make her more than just a cog who happens to be at the center of the wheel. Next, prioritize a romance that isn't fun or sexy. Of course, Cersei is a yawn, even with a Stark boyfriend and a Stark ex-boyfriend. Is there any purpose for this love triangle? I guess it was a way to lock Kit Harrington down before Netflix tried to make him some obscure comic book figure from that independent comic book brand they bought and failed with once already. Aside from that, who cares? You get the feeling that Cersei dated Icarus for thousands of years and never lost her virginity to him for fear of turning his penis into overcooked spaghetti. You know, this is a sidebar, but you know how you're really hot for someone, your brain kind of decides that their genitals are going to taste like dessert, something really delicious, literally, <laughs> weirdly, the problem with Cersei is that she could actually make that happen. And while it might be amusing for an evening, no one wants to find new clothes to fit that particular modification. The world, the entire world is at stake in this movie, and the audience is supposed to care about who Cersei is giving blue balls to. Really? And don't even get me started on freaking Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Another Disney mess. Um, from this last year, where the level-headed scientist woman decides to give up the cure for cancer, she, she can have sex with a rock. Who is writing these movies? Okay, next one. Fail to dis define major character motives every step of the way. This was uniquely infuriating throughout Eternals. Even the characters like Kingo, who had enough something to kind of feel their motives, ended up wandering after a while. The clearest character in the movie is Brian Tyree Henry's Fastos, who has become a husband has a husband and a child, and has chosen to lead as human a life as he can. But the motive for clarifi clarifying him is, I think, that he is the first practicing, living out life, his life out straight, out of the closet, gay character in a Marvel movie. So his motives are repeated over and over by the movie. I think trying to make this argument, though it shouldn't even need to be made, that gay people are just regular folks with normal relationships and families and love, just like you straight people. It just doesn't help the movie necessarily. Gilgamesh and Thena have this weird codependent thing going on with a lot unsaid. Droog is practically living on another planet in his own head, a selfish little super prick. Sprite ends up playing like this weird combo of Pinocchio and someone trying to come out, while Makari is just trying to figure out what the hell everyone else is talking about so she can take aim and kick ass. She's the most one of the most effective things in the movie, and yet she always looks like she's trying to see people's lips to understand why they're talking because none of them actually engage her. Every strand of these characters could have been more interesting or had a movie of its own. But with so many characters, none could do as much, none of whom could do as much on their own as in terms of being superheroes, even with these powers, it got to be a stew that someone forgot to season. And finally, the same old twist. I feel bad about this as a spoiler if it wasn't so murky in the movie, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything. But once again, this is not just a Marvel thing. The humans, quote-unquote, humans are just animals inhabiting farm Earth, and the universe would be better off without them, unquote, shtick, plays out. The new spin on it is, if we kill this group of meaningless animals now, better ones will blossom. I can virtually see the moment in the office where at 3.30 in the morning, after too much Din Tai Fung delivery food and wine, someone screamed, Eureka! I figured it out! But it is lipstick on what has become a pig of an idea. 
enough with this idea. All that said, worst Marvel movie ever. Most aspirational, almost no aspirations met. Failure to, of trying to do too much. The seven of all trades. The Jack, the Queen, the King, or the Ace of nothing. Except beautiful landscapes. Not enough. And with that, until tomorrow.